I'm Michelle Kelly, editor of Cottage Life Magazine. Welcome to another episode of the Cottage Life Podcast. I can't believe that we're already on episode seven of season four. We have two very special guests for this penultimate episode, TV personality and all-around building legend Mike Holmes and his daughter Sherry Holmes. Together with Mike's son, Michael, they are starring in a new television series, Holmes on Homes, Building a Legacy, that's premiering this spring on the Cottage Life channel. They're joining me to talk about all that, as well as the do's and don'ts of cottage construction. We'll also be covering a hot topic, so to speak, barbecuing versus grilling. Did you know there was a difference? David Zimmer sure does, and we'll hear all about it in his essay from our archives later in the episode. This is the Cottage Life Podcast, where every day is the weekend. Before we get to all that, though, here's a word from our sponsor. Hey, Cottage Coach Adam Holman here. I get a lot of questions from Cottage Life readers about my favorite gear for having fun at the cottage. And I always tell them that one of my favorite cottage experience doesn't require any gear at all. Just a dark sky on a clear night. But when you're stargazing at the cottage, there's one thing that you'll definitely need. Off Family Care Insect Repellent. Smooth and dry. It protects you and your family for up to five hours against mosquitoes, and it never feels oily or greasy. It also repels ticks, black flies, deer flies, and biting midges. Use it the next time you're savoring the night sky, and you won't be tempted to head indoors before you see a shooting star. Celebrity contractor Mike Holmes and his daughter Sherry know all too well about ambitious renovations gone awry. And that may especially be the case when it comes to the cottage, where eager do-it-yourselfers often become the victims of their own ambitions. In their new six-part series, Homes on Homes, Building a Legacy, Mike is joined by his kids in making it right for homeowners, be it with a life-changing renovation or fixing work left behind by shady contractors. With all that experience under their belts, Mike and Sherry join me to talk about things to keep in mind when tackling DIY projects around the cottage. Welcome to the podcast, Mike and Sherry. It's great to see you. Hi, thanks for having us. This is very exciting for me because I, of course, like other people here around uh, the office who have uh, worked with you so far, Mike, in the last couple of months, I grew up watching you. So it's exciting to see you and uh, to have you back in uh, the Blue Ant family. Well, it's funny because uh, we just seem to keep going. This never stops. It's like Hotel California. I could never <laughs> leave. And I don't mind it. I really don't. And talk about cottages. My God, I, I love renovating cottages. I really do. I know. I'd like to do a six-part series on cottage, uh, cottages alone. Well, That would I mean, be fun. Yeah, it would be. And I'm sure there's a lot for you guys to go and look at and fix because, and this is my first question, you know, I've been the editor at Cottage Life for seven years now, and I have encountered many a cottager who has started a DIY project and then not finished it because they've hit some sort of wall, literally or figuratively, <laughs> and haven't known how to go past it. Or um, often is the case that they've found some major problem uh, with the structure that they're renovating, either that they created or that was created by the owners before them or the person that built it, given that uh, building codes in Ontario cottage country have you know not always been adhered to uh, historically. So 
I'm, uh, I'm, I'm sort of curious to talk to you a little bit about that. So um, what should cottagers, first off, what should cottagers avoid and what's okay to tackle when it comes to projects around the cottage? Is there sort of a rule that you can apply there? I would like to equate any type of renovation, whether it was your home, I don't care if it's a condominium uh, or a cottage, there are rules to follow. And the rules are really simple. Once husband and wife get all excited about doing a, a new kitchen, a new deck, a new bathroom, or a complete renovation, they need to follow a process that makes sense financially and with patience. So in other words, you got to hire a contractor. Well, what exactly do you want to do on your home? If you're just going to do a kitchen, who do you need to hire? Do you need a general contractor? And I'm going to say in most cases, I always push a general contractor. Why? A general contractor is always set up with an architect, engineers, uh, electricians, plumbers, you name it. He has everyone under his belt, but it will tend to cost you a little more money. So let's move back to a kitchen for a moment. Can you do a kitchen just by hiring a, a kitchen cabinet company? The mm -hmm. truth is yes, but anytime you need a new kitchen, odds are there's plumbing, possible issues, there's electrical, possible issues, and are you going to change it? Because the most important thing is if you're going to do something, get, you know, step outside of the box. Just change the cabinets, go ahead, shouldn't cost you too much money, but now's the time to make a whole new look in the kitchen. Then I'm going to yeah. lead back to a general contractor, Sherry. Um I think just to touch on your point a little bit, having a general contractor, I do agree with it. It is a little bit more money. However, they're going to do a lot of the communication for you. So you are not going to be talking to subtrades. You are not going to be dealing with all of this extra stuff that you might not understand. That is the job of your general contractor. Um, so you're not going to have those headaches, which is really great. And they're going to guide you in the right direction and help you, you know, consider some of the things you might not have without that help. Um, Secondly, uh, I just wanted to say for uh, any kind of homeowners um, or cottage owners in general, if you're looking to do renovations, I really think DIYs are great. I think it's wonderful um, to try to expose yourself to something new, to try something new. However, there are some kind of rules you should follow. Don't ever try to do things that could cause you harm, obviously. So great never point. touch electrical. I would never touch plumbing. I will never touch H HVAC. If you want to touch some drywall, sure. You're not going to touch um, all of your framing. You're going to need someone who knows what they're doing because um, otherwise you could seriously compromise the build. Um, what else? Well, uh, let me add yeah. to that, Sherry, because okay. you use the words never touch electrical. And this is really important and people need to understand yes. this. You are allowed as a homeowner or cottage owner to touch the electrical but you are obliged to get a permit. Now they'll work with you. And if you don't get a permit, you touch electrical and that place burns down, your insurance company will not insure mm -hmm. your home or your cottage. So yeah, you're that's, liable. That's mm -hmm. right. That's why you don't mess with electrical. And you know what? I think honestly, don't mess with things you don't know because you can actually, actually screw up paint. Here's a simple one. Can you paint a latex paint over an oil paint because the place is really old and full of oil. Can you? You cannot. Very good. No, you can't. <laughs> it won't adhere properly. You would right. have to use a very special primer and or sealer to put up to try and accomplish that. And this, this is, is part of, of going back 
That's right. And this is part of going back to education. The more that you find out about what you need to do, this is the part of taking time, doing your homework. Odds are you're not going to lose that crazy amount of money and things will maybe take longer, but move in the right direction. Yeah, so so all great points. One, one thing that, you know, uh, cottagers face that I think is a little bit different than homeowners in the city, um, although I think it is a challenge for some city people too, is finding people to do the work. There's a real yes. um, lack of people, particularly in the trades, in the more remote areas. And not to mention the fact that if you own a cottage on an island uh, in the middle of a remote lake, it's it's pretty tempting to want to do the work yourself because it's difficult to get someone there and expensive to do it for you. So, you know, yes, you shouldn't do stuff, um, but I think we see a lot of cottagers doing it out of necessity. Is that something that you've come across in your careers? I've just heard that a lot, that um, there is a lack of skilled trades workers in a lot of these remote areas, and everyone's looking for a contractor. They're looking for people who work in the trades, and it is quite difficult. However, if this is something you're willing to spend money on and you want it done right, you have to wait for the right professional. Don't just you know, jump, jump to Joe Blow or some random guy that you're hoping, or girl, sorry, or anyone. um, And you're hoping that it'll do this work for you. And it's cheaper. And it's easy because you want the best. Otherwise, you are wasting your money, you are wasting your time, and you could potentially be harming your build, your project, whatever, whatever, what have you. Um, But it it is unfortunate, there is a lack of, of trades I find in these remote areas. And it is especially harder on islands, like you were saying. Um, and so I, I, I don't think a DIY is terrible. You just have to watch where a DUI, DIY, DUI. Oh my goodness. <laughs> we don't want, well, we yeah, don't want a DIY, could, DUI either. Yeah. Man, yeah, you, don't could, do you, that. You, could, you could find a handyman and work with them. But the one thing about cottage life is in all rural areas or cottage areas of Muskoka, they all have pros in the area and everyone knows them. You know, somebody knows they've hired Frank and he runs that company out there. He's got a barge. He knows how to bring it to the island, all the material, the tools. And again, he's a general contractor. So your job as a a cottage owner is to make sure that you find those guys in the area. Hopefully talk to three of them. They're going, they should be They're very busy. So you're going to have to put this in line as to when you could start the renovation you want to do and make sure you get the permits and work with the contractor that it's being passed. And I always say document what you do. Let's take pictures before, during and after Mm -hmm. a proper contract. And the reason I say take the pictures is not only for possible evidence, but for resale proof of what you've done, how it was done. And then that really, hey, if you're looking at a cottage and somebody has shown me everything they've done with from the permits to pictures, I'm going to be more excited to buy that cottage than walk into a cottage. Oh, all new electrical, all new plumbing, but no proof of anything. I'm mm-hmm. not going to be really happy about mm-hmm. buying that cottage. Well, and it shows, I think, that they, yeah. yeah, and that the owners care that they've mm-hmm. taken the time. Okay, so right. if I can just summarize what you're saying, it's uh, sounds like you plan ahead is really important, and then that way you can have more time to find the help that you need, or at least to understand, yeah, to understand the work that you're doing. Okay, so uh, one thing I also wanted to ask you both is if you had any worst case DIY cottage projects that you've seen. I'm kind of interested in those anecdotes of things that you've seen that are 
completely bonkers that we wouldn't believe. Is that a challenge? Oh my goodness. Uh, how many cottages have I walked into? And you can tell it was a DIY job. <laughs> I mean, they, they built one bedroom into 14 bunks and yes, I'm exaggerating, but you know, just to see that the way the stove is against the, the left-hand side of the wall, which never, never happened. And one of the most important things that I've seen so much is the fireplace. And it's usually a wood-burning fireplace. Mm -hmm. uh, the flutes are wrong. Everything about it is wrong. And it's an accident waiting to happen. There are things we should not touch. One, Sherry said it earlier, is electrical. Two, any type of fireplace. Because again... If you did the work and it burnt down, insurance will not cover it. These are things people got to know about. Uh -huh. So getting back to what you said, yes, that's absolutely the way to do it. Plan, take your time, enjoy the experience, because if you don't do this, it will be a very unpleasant experience. Uh -huh. Sherry, what have you seen? I think some of the funniest things for cottages that I've seen is all in the washrooms, the bathrooms. It's hilarious. There is always, always, always carpet in a bathroom. And that is one of the most <laughs> disgusting things it's I have so ever is. seen, ever been part of. I don't even want to use that bathroom. Um, we've seen that a lot with houses as well. But uh, I've also seen um, bathroom doors cut out to fit around a toilet. So you couldn't, like, if you shut the door, like, it, so it's hitting the actual toilet yeah. so they just cut a hole in the doorway like privacy i guess first um <laughs> so just the layout completely wrong carpets it's just always funny because it is a cottage and so people are like ah oh, whatever everything goes right but um that's a bathroom no some way. things maybe shouldn't go <laughs> yeah let's just not saying. do that <laughs> yeah i've seen that a lot where people try they want to shower maybe and or they've you know they didn't have an indoor bathroom initially and they've mm -hmm. added one and they haven't accounted for the fact they may want to shower so they try to cram one in and so you sort of have to have your feet in the shower while you're going to the washroom like very interesting configurations in tiny yeah. tiny spaces it's pretty much all a wet room at that point you're showering at the toilet it's the truth that is exactly right um okay sure Sherry, another question for you and a little bit on a different tact. Um, I know you've advocated for more women in the trades, and I wondered if you could speak to us a bit about your journey as a woman in construction and why it's so important to advocate for that. Um, yeah, sure. Um, so as a woman in construction, it is a question I get asked a lot of. And it's funny because when I was younger, I did not think it was a viable career option for me. I I was a girl. How am I going to get into this? I didn't know what I was doing. Um, so I was really embarrassed to be on a construction crew. Uh, when I was in high school, I wanted to take a construction course. But in order to do that, I had to take half a semester of, um, what's it called? Oh, it's called Home Ec. So mm -hmm. in Home Ec, I made nylon babies that I had to take care of. I learned to cook meals for my partner uh, and take care of a household, which is just silly. First of all, I mean, those are all important skills. Should that be what you want to, once you want to learn and what you want to do. However, I shouldn't have been required to learn how to run a household in order to learn how to use a skill saw. Um, so I feel like that's a bit sexist there. However, uh, it was kind of my introduction into the trades outside of my father. So my parents split when we were quite young, and every time we'd go to visit my dad, we would either be building some kind of project at his house, or um, we'd be visiting him on a job site, which I do not recommend now. When we were younger, <laughs> it was all okay. Mm -hmm. um, so we'd help him clean up, or you know, my brother and I would chase each other around the sites and just be a pain in the arse the whole time. 
<laughs> and as I got older, I just, you know, it's still what we did for fun with my dad, or I helped him along with his house. I laid his hardwood in his living room. I helped refinish a fireplace. We built a shed in his backyard. Um, but yeah, it, it wasn't a job. It was just something we did to bond. And yep, you didn't think it was a job or a career choice for you. No. And, and that's why it was, it wasn't an option for me. It was never on the table as a career. It was different, you know, but I want, I want to talk about that. Uh, we started off when we went to new Orleans and to make it right in new Orleans to build a category five hurricane proof home. And it was my opportunity to get Sherry into the trades at that time. And I'll tell you why, because Sherry loves to travel the world. If she got paid to travel the planet, she would be very rich. That's just who Sherry is. <laughs> I'm so a professional she, nomad. Yes, you are. <laughs> we flew to, and it, we set this up in two and a half months. Now I asked Sherry if she wanted to go. She goes, yo, that'd be great. We're going to meet Brad Pitt. I'm traveling to New Orleans. Sherry jumped right into the worksite immediately. I watched her be able to use the chop saw, hammers, you name the tool, she was on it. And within the two and a half months we were there to three months in completion, she became a rock star. Everyone in the neighborhood loved Sherry. They wanted to hire Sherry. And I think that was the first temptation experience for my daughter about the trades. Well, and I think that this is like, you know, in any field, um, and for sure, the trades and construction is is definitely one of the most obvious ones. But the more women that get into it, and the more women that are visible in it, like you are right now, mm -hmm. the more women will get into it, you know, yeah. it really is such a big difference. So it becomes the norm again. Yes, exactly. Okay, so I also think it's a a, sorry, a great experience for women to expose themselves to the trade so they can learn something, even if it's for their own home. So you're never relying on anybody else. So you know how to swing a hammer should you need it or use a measuring tape, which is really important and have just a couple of those few handy tools on, on your person, you know, in yeah. your home. So you can take care of yourself. That's a great point. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about your new series. You have a new six part series coming. It's homes on homes, building a legacy. So uh, Mike, what can we expect to see with that show? What we're trying to do here, and I, I, I just, I'm going to move back backwards for a second. I remember when I first started this, I said, I'm so busy, I'll give you two years and that's it. And getting back to the uh, Hotel California, we're going to keep going. So the <laughs> reason we keep going is to encourage the next generation of skilled trades. It's to encourage homeowners and to keep trying to educate everyone out there. That's why we do it. I want to see my son and my daughter continue this after I leave. That's why it's, I believe we've built a legacy and we're still doing it. So we want to go back to homes on homes. We want to cover everything we started from the beginning till now. And I want to tie in our lives, our fun, helping people, whether it's bad construction or, you know, bad problems in life. We just finished one recently where a wonderful family who has given to everyone on every block and every person in their, their lives without asking for anything back. They did not renovate their home. He was going to, uh, nothing's changed in 30 years. And then all of a sudden, and he was a professional Tyler, by the way, and all of a sudden he had a stroke. And the stroke was bad enough that he couldn't walk. He was paralyzed on his left side. And now he cannot finish his house. 
So we stepped in and we ripped his house apart and we redesigned it, not just to make it better for them both, but for safety of for him and his wife of putting everything on one level. Right. That he didn't have to go down the stairs anymore, that he'd had no tripping hazards. And it felt so good to give mm-hmm. back. We want to keep doing that. And that's, that's, I'm going to keep pushing my son and daughter to, to do this because there'll be a day where I won't be doing it anymore. And hopefully they'll be, you know, 30 years talking to you later saying, uh, it's Hotel California. I don't think we're leaving. (laughs) I'm really excited to uh, be working on building a legacy. It's going to be such a fun show. It's going to premiere in spring 2024, which is very exciting. It's not that far away. It's less than a year. Um, but we've done some amazing things and we've been so lucky with the people that we've gotten to help and the situations that we can get to fix. Um, so I'm really looking forward to doing this new show. It's, it's always been fun to work with my family. It's been fun and amazing to meet these wonderful people. Um, we're hoping to really have a great time and show the world what we can do, who you can help. And maybe a little bit of our lives as well and what we're going through and, you know, bring you along with us. That's awesome. So many Canadians have grown up with you, Mike, and it's nice that you're able to keep going and to bring your kids along with you um, and show that legacy. It's really great. Thank you so much for taking time to chat with me today and um, best of luck with the series. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Mike and Sherry's new original series, Homes on Homes, Building a Legacy, premieres on the Cottage Life channel next spring during our nationwide free preview event. Until then, you can get your homes fix on the Homeful channel. Visit homefultv.com to learn more about how you can watch. And now, here's another word from our sponsor. Hey, Cottage Coach Adam Holman here. I've spent a lot of time on the trail, and every backwoods trip is a chance to learn something new. And the most important lesson I've learned is that when you're in nature, you have to be ready for anything. And that's why you'll never see me in the woods without my off deep woods insect repellent. It's non-greasy, it doesn't stain, and it uses DEET for up to eight hours of protection against mosquitoes, ticks, black flies, and deer flies. Pack it for your next big adventure and you'll be ready to embrace the trail without any distractions. Like the spelling of neighbor and the letter Z, there's a longish list of language conventions that Canadians and Americans don't quite agree on. But as longtime CL contributor David Zimmer reveals in a 2016 essay in Cottage Life, when it comes to outdoor cookery and its etymology, the Yanks may just know something we don't. A fiery debate is read for you now by Pedro Mendez. It's official. I have reached that stage in life when creeping societal change has me thinking the whole damn world is going to hell in a handbasket. I blame my current state of angry bewilderment on Jerry Dust, a retired lawyer who's owned his off-grid cottage for 14 years. For the record, Dust is a nice man and has done nothing wrong. All he did was email a polite letter to Cottage Life questioning some word usage. I was astonished by the predominance of grill and grilling, he wrote. Is this not a Canadian magazine? As far as I know, we barbecue on a barbecue and leave the grilling to the Americans. I was happy to help explain. 
After all, I've written about outdoor cookery for decades. And, as a former editor, I worship at an altar stacked with the icons Oxford, Collins, and Merriam-Webster, the Dictionary Trinity, as well as Roger's Thesaurus and the Chicago Manual of Style. Any disputes between these fonts of certainty can be rectified by consulting Theodore M. Bernstein's The Careful Writer, like the Ten Commandments, but less preachy. When it comes to word usage, I like to paraphrase Walter Sabchik, John Goodman's character in The Big Lebowski. Smokey, this is not nom. There are rules. Basically, anybody who knows anything about the classic forms of outdoor cooking, from pit masters to backyard savants, knows that barbecue is a noun describing meats that have been cooked long and slow in the presence of wood smoke. You eat barbecue. Barbecue sauce is a condiment you put on barbecue. You make barbecue in a pit or on a smoker or with a gas or a charcoal grill set up to act like a smoker. Barbecue is a style of food, not a method, nor a cooking device. You don't barbecue on a barbecue because there's no such thing. A grill, as everybody also knows, is a thing, what some people erroneously call a barbecue. It can be found indoors or outdoors. It can burn propane or natural gas or charcoal or electricity. It can also be an adjective. Things that are cooked over direct heat with the food supported on a metal grill are grilled, hence charcoal grilled steaks. So you grill burgers and dogs on a grill. And you can make barbecue on a grill with a lid. But you don't barbecue chicken wings anywhere. Specifically, not on barbecues, because such contraptions don't exist. In Canada, we have been on the wrong side of this debate for decades. And some grill manufacturers even call their products barbecues. Americans use grill and grilling because they are being accurate. Our southerly neighbors invented and perfected the modern concept of barbecue, and they have been doing it for a very long time, so I will use their terms. Dust was right when he observed that Canadians barbecue on a barbecue. It's just that we are wrong, because we are innocently lazy and a backward nation when it comes to barbecue, though that is changing. I think Canada only started learning about grilling, never mind barbecue, as recently as the 1960s, That might explain the egregious error on the sign for a very popular restaurant in my neck of the woods, which opened in 1963. Weber's Charcoal Barbecued Hamburgers. As I said, Dust is a nice man. But in a brief chat, he mentioned that, one, he barbecues on a barbecue with a side burner. Two, he and his wife enjoy barbecued burgers and barbecued pork tenderloin. And three, His first barbecue was an old hibachi he bought 45 years ago. And I've been barbecuing ever since. Dust clearly has an advanced case of barbecutosis. I don't mind helping to solve a language problem, but I worry that correcting this confusion might cause this poor man's world to split asunder. Nevertheless, there are higher principles involved. We have long preserved our constitution, Samuel Johnson wrote in the preface to his dictionary in 1755, Let us make some struggles for our language. I knew I had to be gentle, but I also knew that Dust, as a lawyer, wouldn't be taking anyone's word in this debate. I would have to present evidence to support my claim, which was fine with me, because I am a stickler for the facts. My first source, Exhibit A, was the Canadian Oxford Dictionary, whose definition for barbecue included a metal appliance equipped with a grill on which meat, etc., is cooked over charcoal or gas flame. Barbecues, barbecued, barbecuing. 
clearly a typo I would need to report to the dictionary police. What about Webster's ninth new collegiate dictionary, Exhibit B? It must have a printing error or something, because it included a transitive verb meaning to roast or broil on a rack over hot coals or on a revolving spit, as well as an often portable fireplace over which meat and fish are roasted. Very disconcerting. More so when I consulted Exhibit C, Collins English Dictionary, and found a grill or fireplace used in barbecuing and to cook meat, fish, etc. on a grill, usually over charcoal and with a highly seasoned sauce. Was this some sort of sick conspiracy? Apparently so, because even my stalwart, La Russe Gastronomique, had gone mad, calling a barbecue an open-air cooking apparatus or outdoor grill, and mentioning, horrors, that some barbecues operate with lava stones heated by butane gas or even solar energy. At this point, I fainted and hit my head on a stapler. Okay, so dust might have taken this round. But, more importantly, the world has shifted under my feet. What's left to care about when you can't even trust reference books anymore? Because I did some checking and discovered my dictionaries are full of words like awesome sauce and mic drop and twerking. It's a sorry scene when the world's lexographers screw up the definition of barbecue because they're too busy compiling an entry for man-spreading. If that's considered progressive change... I'll do without, thank you. Right now, it's time for some deep breaths and a mug of herbal tea. Then, I'm heading outside to polish my barbecues. That's it for this episode. Thanks for joining me. If you're enjoying this podcast and you don't know about our magazine, let me take a moment to tell you why you should subscribe to Cottage Life. First of all, the magazine offers you more of the same great content you heard today, including all of the things you don't know you don't know about life at the lake. And by supporting the magazine, you're enabling us to make this podcast. Podcast listeners get a special deal. Sign up today using the code cottagelife.com slash pod offer and you'll get six issues plus a free copy of the cottage logbook a dedicated place to record all of the moments that make cottage living special all this for just $24.95 here's the code again cottagelife.com slash pod offer while I've got you signing up for things please take a minute to subscribe to this podcast that way each new episode will automatically download to your app and will be ready for you to enjoy we'll have new episodes every Thursday throughout the summer And if you're loving it, please leave us a review. It helps more people find us. Our sound design is by Amanda Fusco. This podcast is produced by Catherine Jun and me, Michelle Kelly. I'll see you on the dock.